This podcast is brought to you in part by Collab Media, content created with Christ in mind. To publish your content with Collab Media, visit media.collab.life. Now sit back and enjoy your podcast. My name is Charles Strait, and I am the pastor of the Faith United Methodist Church, and you are listening to Moral Justice. Moral Justice is the offering of the social justice ministry of the Faith United Methodist Church. Our social justice ministry is entitled The Next Movement. We believe that social justice is at the heart of the Christian faith and that we must live out the faith that we confess in our hearts so that the world will see Jesus in the work that we do. Welcome to Moral Justice. Uh, We are a program of the Faith United Methodist Church, and uh, each week we try to have conversations with interesting people that are doing interesting things uh, that look at the issue of justice from a faith perspective and justice from a moral perspective. Today I am so very happy to be joined uh, by Mayor jo- uh, David Johnson, who is the former mayor of the city of Harvey out in the south suburbs. Uh, Mayor Johnson's professional career and experience spans 40-plus years uh, in public, corporate, and academic sectors. Uh, he was elected uh, two terms to West Harvey Dixmore uh, Board of Education in 1979, and he was elected in 1983 as the mayor of Harvey, Illinois, where he served three consecutive terms. Now, that's what he's done in the past. Uh, but Brother Johnson has been very active in um, the South Suburban community, uh, doing work for uh, people of color in particular, uh, black folk trying to make a difference uh, in their lives and trying to bring some of the justice that we've been talking about uh, to the forefront. And so uh, it is wonderful to have an opportunity to introduce uh, Mayor David Johnson, and uh, I want you to just jump in and, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you are doing these days. Well, thank you. Thank you, Reverend Strait. Um, Currently, I'm uh, very happy to report that um, I am one of the founding members of a think tank, a South Suburban-focused think tank. Uh, It's called ROCK, R-O-C-C, and ROCK stands for Resources, Opportunities, Culture, and commitment, and we are, as I said, a, a think tank that uh, is focused primarily on the southern suburbs, or we could also say the second congressional district, which uh, extends all the way down to uh, Kankakee, and there's a historic African-American farming community in Pembroke Township. So we've worked with them in the past, and we're looking forward to uh, doing further work with uh, the people in Pembroke Township and specifically the Black Oak Center for uh, Resilient and Sustainable Communities. Um, So our think tank uh, has its primary focus on economic and community development. Uh, because as Let you now ask you, if I could jump in right there, and before sure. we hear uh, about the wonderful work of Rock, 
Would you give us a little bit of history about um, the South Suburbs? Uh, the Southern Suburbs of Chicago uh, is uh, got a very interesting history of who lives there, why they live there. And uh, our guest today, uh, Brother Johnson, is, is really a wonderful historian of that kind of information. So give us a little bit of background about the South Suburbs, the Southlands of Chicago, if you would. Well, thank you, uh, and that's, that's an excellent question because the southern suburbs and Harvey in particular, but not only Harvey, but Robbins and to uh, a very large extent Chicago Heights uh, developed at the turn of the century, at the start of the 20th century, and Harvey and Chicago Heights developed as independent industrial suburbs of Chicago. And, and when I say independent, I mean that they, they developed independently of Chicago and they developed uh, under the leadership of local capitalists, local industrialists who um, took advantage of their strategic geographical locations to build industries. And as people began to uh, migrate up from the south to the cities of the north, and as European immigrants uh, came across the Atlantic um, and settled in uh, the Chicago area, they also settled in Harvey, Robbins, and uh, Chicago Heights. Uh, and, and so those communities have a rich and unique history um, of a working-class development, industrial development, as well as community development. And uh, those, those communities uh, and the fortunes of those communities were directly related to the development of industrial capitalism. And one of the, one, one of the draws uh, to Chicago and to this area was the Colombian Exposition, the World's Fair, the 1893 World's Fair, and 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 I want to quickly point out that uh, historical figures like Frederick Douglass and Ida B. Wells and W. E. B. Du Bois uh, attended uh, the Chicago World's Fair, and they attended that World's Fair because. Uh, they had uh, issues such as lynching, uh, equal access to employment, housing segregation. Those were some of the dominant issues of the day. And luminaries like Ida B. Wells and, and Frederick Douglass and Du Bois came to Chicago to put those issues and the needs of the African-American community front and center um, along with the Columbian Exposition. And I want to point out to, to your listeners that the, the building that houses um, the Museum of Science and Industry is one of the few remaining buildings that were constructed for the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. So yeah. Harvey, Harvey was designed and promoted uh, 
on the heels of, along with, I should say, of, of the World's Fair in Chicago in 1893. And, of course... And if you fast forward a little while... Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, of course, the fortunes of those towns uh, rose and fell uh, with the rise of industrial capitalism in this country. Yes. And, and that's where I was headed, actually. Uh, if you fast forward a bit, uh, you get things like um, uh, the Ford Motor Company's big plant in Fort Heights, and you get things like that's the right. steel mill that worked just that's outside right. of uh, Chicago in the south suburbs, and working-class people who were able to um, buy homes and uh, develop a community and live here. Uh, but those... Um, livings, those wages, those um, houses, all of that was tied to um, this, this, this fortune that came about because of these uh, plants and, and uh, the industries that existed in the South Suburbs. But then those places suffered decline. And so then you get a Southland um, that has much poorer people, uh, governments that are more corrupt, uh, and, and the South Suburbs have been notoriously corrupted uh, in its government over the last 40 years um, with uh, people who were seeking um, to make money any way that they could um, from, from government on down. Uh, and, and the Southlands lose a lot of their, their prior fortunes, their prior... Uh, accomplishments, and you get left with a bunch of poor people uh, and and new immigrants from the city of Chicago. Um, I, I know that uh, you can talk about um, the destruction of public housing in Chicago and and the push to get uh, uh, people out of the city who had been uh, in public housing now to the south suburbs because that's the new place. That's kind of the new dumping ground. So, could tell us a little bit about the South Suburbs of the 70s and 80s. Yeah, um, the, the, uh, what we know from, from the reading of history now is that the industrial base of the United States uh, actually began to decline after World War II in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And that industrial de- decline uh, became uh, very evident um, in the 70s, uh, we began to see um, <clears throat> the, the movement of industrial capital from the cities of the north to the cities of the southeast and the southwest, uh, what we, what, what's known as the, the Sun Belt. Uh, we began to see the movement of, uh, of manufacturing to those areas of the country because of uh, cheaper land costs and because of lower labor costs and because of uh, lower taxes, uh, we began to see a shift from the Northeast and the Midwest to the Southeast and to the Southwest. Uh, in addition to that, you had uh, the, the growing influence and ultimate dominance of banks uh, insurance companies, uh, various uh, stock products like hedge funds, uh, credit default swaps, uh, rather exotic investment 
um, products, uh, those eventually uh, began to dominate the American uh, economy in the form of uh, what we call finance capital or finance capitalism. And, and, and so with, with the, uh, the dominance of finance capital, along with technological innovations that we, we all know very well today, the cell phone technology, the Internet, uh, telecommunication, uh, global positioning, satellites, uh, the, the, the owners of industry and, and, and financial institutions uh, were able to uh, move out of the United States and invest in places like Mexico, um, China, Southeast Asia, and, and, and they're able to take advantage of the cheap labor costs in Mexico and Asia, uh, as well as uh, innovations in shipping and transportation. So we, we see the phenomenon of globalization. And yeah. um, you, you had the passing of NAFTA uh, and signed by Bill Clinton, um, in the 90s, um, the, the net effect of those changes uh, was it wreaked havoc on cities like Harvey and Gary and Pittsburgh and Joliet, um, uh, what we call the Rust Belt. Uh, those communities began to, to, to suffer job losses, losses. and in, in the city of Harvey, uh, we had those same problems. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, corrupt leadership uh, only served to exacerbate those problems. And, and, and again, yeah. we've seen that in Harvey, and we've seen it in Gary, and we've seen it in other places around the country. And I want to hasten to point out that corruption uh, in, in major cities is a part and parcel of uh, the American political landscape. Uh, so I, I cut you off in talking about the ways um, that Rock is working currently uh, to help rebuild the Southland and to, to look at the problems. I just wanted to give a little historic background to um, the suburbs in which we are talking about and the people that we're talking about. Tell, tell me um, what your organization is, is doing and uh, how... Uh, you might be able to use help in doing what you're doing. Tell us about what you're doing right now. All right, thank you. Uh, what what Rock um, was organized to do is to uh, advance uh, what we think are concepts uh, for the 21st century. Uh, these are ideas and concepts and and best practices. Uh, ideas and concepts and practices that work, uh, and the reason why we know they work is because they've been implemented in other parts of the country uh, with with significant success. And for example, yeah. uh, one of the concepts is is comprehensive planning and strategic planning. Uh, that that because we live in an era where there is uh, very serious competition and because we live in an era of um, limited resources and this competition is for resources, 
uh, municipalities, uh, individuals, and families and communities need to have a comprehensive plan. Um, and they need to have a, a plan for the, the gaining of resources and the use of those resources in the most rational and the best way possible so that those resources are stretched and, and uh, we get the greatest bang for our buck, so to speak. So, so one of the things that Rock wants to advocate for is comprehensive planning and then strategic planning in terms of how we, we implement the plans that, that we uh, develop. Now, the best way to develop plans are, are with the community, with everyday people, okay. so that people can see their input, so that people uh, can share their experience, and so that the people who participate in the planning uh, begin to take ownership for the plan, which means that they'll, they'll, they'll work to implement the plan, they'll work to defend the plan, and they'll, they'll work uh, in the best interest of the community. And, and, and I submit to you, Reverend Strait, that, that comprehensive and strategic planning of that sort is in um, the best traditions of democracy. It's, it's in the democratic tradition, and it's also in the, the best uh, traditions of Christianity. And uh, as yeah. you know, we just observed the uh, 50th uh, observation of the, the death of Dr. King. Well, D Dr. King comes from a, a Christian tradition that identifies with the least of these, the poor. Uh, with those who are sick, those who lack yes. adequate housing and, and poor education. Uh, Dr. King was the, the living testimony to those Christian values and, 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 yeah. and those, demo, those democratic values. And uh, Reverend yeah. Lawson, who, who was a contemporary of Dr. King, says that, that, that this is the, uh, the greatest... Um, and living tradition of Christ, uh, that when, yeah. when we yeah. advocate on behalf of, of, of the people who, who have the greatest needs. So um, that is part uh, of the reason that we have these discussions uh, and that moral justice exists is because we truly believe um, that to follow in the Christian tradition, and, and almost in any uh, faith tradition, uh, is to be people of morality and people of justice, and that the two go hand in hand. And in the Christian church these days, I think we pay way too much attention um, to a self-made, uh, human-made uh, ideal of morality, and we don't pay nearly uh, enough attention uh, to the issues of justice. And I think that Jesus is uh, very much acquainted with this concept. He dealt with it in his own time uh, with Pharisees, in which he called hypocrites, uh, and said that they pay way too much attention uh, to uh, paying of tithes and to doing uh, the things that are religious and not enough uh, attention uh, to the issues of justice. And so 
the church has a huge responsibility uh, to look at programs within our communities and look at ways that we can partner uh, with organizations like yours uh, that are developing plans and doing work um, that move people uh, from places of poverty, from the lack of jobs and the lack of uh, good schools and, and education uh, facilities to places where every family uh, can look forward to something for the future. Uh, unfortunately, in many of our communities, um, even in the Southland that was so prosperous at one point, uh, we have children who have no concept of going to college uh, because they live in families that can't imagine um, paying for them to go to college. Uh, and even if they are able to get there, uh, they get there and they uh, come out with such huge debt. Uh, that it takes years and years and years of their productive lives uh, just paying back student loans. So we, we've got to look at processes uh, that will allow us uh, to move uh, to places where people have better hope and they have a better future for their children and a better idea of what their children and grandchildren's lives will look like because of the work um, that we've done now. I wanted to also ask you, you talked about the strategic plan uh, and this uh, strategic look. What does that look like in practice? What does um, Rock, um, how does Rock function um, to um, really put these ideas and goals into practice? Yes. Um, w one of the things that Rock has worked on over the past year is creating what we call collaborative partnerships with uh, various institutions and organizations, such as uh, there's an organization called um, Manufacturing Renaissance. And Manufacturing yeah. Renaissance, or MR, runs a high school on the near west side of Chicago in the Austin community, um, and it's called Austin Polytechnic High School. And Austin Polytechnic High School has a focus on advanced manufacturing. Now, when, when people normally think of manufacturing, they think of uh, steel mills that are dirty and polluting, et cetera. Well, advanced manufacturing is clean manufacturing. Advanced manufacturing is computer-assisted manufacturing. And uh, what, what Manufacturing Renaissance has been able to do is to work with high school students, many of whom know nothing about manufacturing and have uh, little knowledge of computer design, computer-assisted design and computer-assisted manufacturing, uh, what Manufacturing Renaissance does is it teaches these young people uh, these technical skills so that they can uh, run machines uh, with the assistance of computer technology and uh, get sort of national certification as a machine tool operator. But in addition to that, what Manufacturing Renaissance does is it teaches our youth uh, what we call the soft skills um, so that not only 
do they have the skills to run a machine, but they have the, the knowledge of what it takes to get and to keep a job and to build a career for themselves. So imagine high school age individuals, 18, 19-year-old young men and women graduating from high school, and they can walk into a job making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, yeah. which is enough. Which is enough to support a family, and it's enough to build Absolutely. a career. So, not only do do, yeah. do does manufacturing renaissance renaissance teach the the hard skills, but they they've created an organization called Young Manufacturers Association or YMA, uh, and what, what YMA does is it provides peer-to-peer counseling, mentoring, support. Um, it, it, it enables young people to learn from people who have gone down uh, the path into a good-paying job and a career so that uh, we see more and more successful uh, young people traveling that road. And as we speak today, there's somewhere between 15 and 20,000 jobs in, manu- in, in metropolitan Chicago and advanced manufacturing. And those jobs are, are going largely unfulfilled. So our, our aim is to, to uh, popularize the program in the south suburbs. And then furthermore, to build a STEM and technology institute in the south suburbs so that more and more of our youth become aware of the opportunities in advanced manufacturing. And let me be more specific. When when I'm talking about advanced manufacturing, I'm talking about making parts for companies like BMW. Uh, or making parts for companies like Mercedes-Benz or Boeing uh, airplanes um, so that um, uh, these are jobs that pay anywhere from $20 to $40 an hour, I should say, $20 to $40 an hour to start uh, as opposed to, to minimum wage. And in addition right. to that, there's, uh, there are thousands of small businesses that are owned by people like myself who are baby boomers who, who are looking to retire. And their children do not want to, to operate the businesses. So not only are there career opportunities in terms of jobs, but there are ownership opportunities out there available for young people who are versed in the skills, and we provide them with support to run and operate and own their own businesses. So there is a great opportunity on the horizon for youth in the south suburbs, as well as on the west side of Chicago, on the south side of Chicago. But we have to make sure that they get the skill training, the hard skills, 
and science and technology and math, but they also get the support systems that enable them to uh, maintain and to keep and to, to, to develop careers. And so I'm, I'm thoroughly excited about the prospects. My last point yes, is that we have, we have some legislation that is moving out of, out of the Rules Committee in the Illinois legislature, and this legislat- legislation is sponsored by Representative Mary Flowers to build 36 such institutions across the state of Illinois. And two of those institutions, two of those institutions will be located in the southern suburbs. So it's it's That's it's wonderful. Uh, that is wonderful. So you you use the concept that um, uh, within your organization that looks at the way uh, legislation is done in um, our state, um, the way that uh, organizations are currently operating to bring them into the fold, uh, to train young people and to hire those young people, and also looking at entrepreneurs uh, that uh, can uh, utilize these same young people to um, uh, give them a slot into a position uh, that they may not have thought of because they didn't have the money to buy their own company or to start their own business. And and, and my, my next question to you is, where do you start with these young people? Where where do you uh, plant this idea that you can do these great things that your company is talking about? Um, are these ideas that you are having with young people in grammar school, uh, are these ideas you're talking to high schoolers about? Uh, and, and then the second part of that question is uh, around partnerships. Uh, I, as the pastor of a church, am always looking uh, for ways to partner with organizations um, that uh, that's working uh, to make our communities better. So, first question: How, how, where are you approaching these young people? Where do you think is the place to start planting these ideas and showing them this direction? And then the second question is uh, partnerships. Where, where do you see the church? Where do you see people like me? Uh, involved in uh, this bigger plan of yours? Well, the church is, is, is ground zero. We want to work with people like yourself. We want to work with churches that have um, Sunday schools and youth committees. Uh, we want to encourage the pastors of these churches to engage with us and, and making a commitment to do at least three uh, community meetings at their church, uh, starting with, with um, your youth committees, your Sunday schools, and then branching out to the, to the broader community, uh, the PTAs, the school districts, so that we make more and more young people aware of the fact that there are opportunities available to them and uh, we have programs such as manufacturing renaissance that they can get involved with and, and begin to learn the hard skills and the soft skills necessary to to live productive lives so we want to start with you we want to start and, and we're, we're, we're in the process of forming a partnership with uh, the Thornton Township Youth Committee 
they understand uh, what it is we've been talking about, and 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 they're uh, about to make an official commitment uh, to a strategy that um, that I've kind of. Uh, touched upon in, in our conversation. Uh, we also want to work yeah. with park districts, and we want to work with the school districts in terms of fashioning after-school programs. Now, yes. the, 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 the manifest function is that we, we, we begin to provide our young people with skills that make them uh, eminently employable, and, 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 and so that they can develop into uh, uh, gainful citizens. Uh, the, the, the latent function of that is that uh, it's an anti-crime program. It's an anti-gang program. Absolutely. Um, uh, those benefits accrue to our communities. In addition to that, uh, the existing manufacturers in the south suburbs and in places like Harvey and Chicago Heights and Dalton and Riverdale, they begin to understand that we're now turning out a workforce that is highly skilled. Uh, so that, yeah. that's going to help those communities in terms of business retention, and it's going to help in terms of business recruitment to know that uh, – the, the young people coming out of Thorn High School and Thornridge High School and Thornwood High School and Bloom and Richards and Eisenhower, that, that when they know that we are developing students who are world-class in their skill sets, then we can attract more and more businesses uh, to our community. And so those are, those are some of the benefits that uh, we will see uh, coming to our communities as we build upon the strengths of the programs that we're talking about. And, and let me just quickly point out that Thornton High School currently has an outstanding diesel technician program supported by Navistar and the Thornton mm-hmm. Alumni Legacy Fund. It's an yeah. excellent program. Which, which also and, points and, out that those Go ahead. No, no, you, you go ahead. Um, you're saying it points out that those also those people who are in the community, who come through the community, and 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 find a way to be successful, always have to give back to community. Always have to be a part of helping the generations that come behind them, even if they have moved away. Um, to invest in schools, to invest in churches, to invest in uh, community organizations that are doing work um, for young people uh, so that they can continue to be the best young people that they can be is hugely important and something that I think we tend to forget. Um, I watch far too many successful people come out of our communities, whether they are athletes or entertainers or whatever, that to simply forget about the communities that they come from. Uh, so that's a great testament of someone um, who uh, graduated from this community but then wanted to make sure that um, the school that he was from had a program that would help the young people coming along. Exactly. And, 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 and under the leadership of people like uh, Lamar Thomas, who was uh, a basketball and football star at Thornton High School, uh, when I graduated in 1966, and uh, Ray Jakubiak, 
who who worked for Navistar and who who was a pilot and who was interested in um, a a a program at Thornton High School in terms of airline uh, mechanics program there and and another graduate of uh, District 205 schools Eric Fox who owns a tool and die business. Uh, who, who also has a degree from Harvard University. Um, they organized the Thornton Alumni Legacy Fund to raise money to support Thornton High School uh, because they found out that one year they didn't have enough money to uh, fund a, 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 a yearbook. Yes. And... Uh, uh, and so now we have a Navistar program because of their effort, and 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 they're going to be collaborative partners with us and and manufacturing Renaissance um, to make sure that um, we build a STEM institute in the southern suburbs. Uh, those guys uh, went to school in Harvey. Uh, they may no longer live in Harvey. But they're giving mm-hmm. back tremendously uh, to the to the youth and to the community uh, of Harvey, Illinois, and 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 that's what we're trying to build on uh, with Rock, and and we're assembling uh, collaborative partners like uh, the Gift of Hope, who's affiliated with the University of Chicago, uh, Ingalls Hospital, for example, has. Uh, consented just recently to be our host for the next year's worth of rock meetings uh, are going to take place at Ingalls Hospital. Now, a hospital like Ingalls and and the University of Chicago are the personification of science, technology, and math. Right there, I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a little city built on those scientific and technological principles. And so the more we can, we can take our young people by the hand and show them that there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel, that this is what you can do for a living if you're serious about learning science and technology and engineering and math, we can show you where that will take you, where that will lead you. And we will all be better for it. So, I, yes. Reverend, I, I'm very excited about what we're doing and what the next year is going to provide us with, uh, because we're looking at legislation coming out of Springfield for 36 schools. Um, That's one. And, and two of those 36 are going to be in the southern suburbs, and the other of 34 schools will be built around the state of Illinois. And that's going to make... I am excited. And excited. we want you to be. Uh, about, your work is just phenomenal. And I also want to point out, uh, too, um, that your work has been continuous. Um, this is not uh, a man who has uh, devoted time to public service and then said, you know, I've done my part, now I'm going to sit down, um, but has worked throughout his life and career uh, to change the community's 
um, outlook and outcome. And, uh, Mr. Johnson, I, I can't tell you uh, how grateful I am uh, for your life of service uh, to your people, to your community, uh, and, 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 and it just makes a huge difference um, for the people around me and around you. Uh, I've been talking to David Johnson, who is the former mayor of Harvey, Illinois, and, and also uh, has done a lifetime of work um, right here in the South Suburbs, uh, changing uh, the outcomes of people who live in the, the South Suburbs, particularly young people. And I want you to tell me one more time um, the name of uh, Rock and um, the work that you're doing before we end our conversation. Yeah, ROCK, R-O-C-C, stands for Resources, Opportunity, Culture, and Commitment. We're a think tank uh, with a focus on the southern suburbs. Uh, we have collaborative partners, uh, such as the Thornton Alumni Legacy Fund, uh, the Gift of Hope. Uh, we, want, we want to build on those collaborative partnerships uh, with mayors in, in the region, uh, with churches, uh, with business partners, um, we think um, that's the way for collabor- collaborative and collective uh, relationships are the way forward into the uh, yes. the remainder of the 21st century. Thank you so very much. I'm so grateful that you consented uh, to uh, be our guest today uh, on moral justice, and I can't think of a better uh, way to talk about the ways that people of faith, of, of whom Mr. Johnson happens to be, a good United Methodist, uh, and the way that we live our lives uh, to make sure that the work of Christ um, becomes the work of making God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, so thank you very much, uh, Brother David Johnson, uh, for your participation on uh, our program today. God bless you, and have a uh, Many, many, many more successes. Thank you, Reverend. It's my pleasure. This podcast, Moral Justice, has been an offering of the Faith United Methodist Church, where I, Charles Strait, serve as the pastor there. We are located at 15015 Grant Street in Dalton, Illinois. If you're ever in the area, please come and worship with us. You can find our um, webpage at www.faithunitednc.com. You can find me on Facebook or Twitter at Pastor Charles Strait. Uh, I look forward to more conversations uh, with you in the future and great guests that will come and participate in those conversations. Until next time, uh, be blessed and make the world a more moral and just place. This podcast was brought to you by Collab Media. To hear more amazing episodes, subscribe in your favorite app today. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.